the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Well, good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I am uh, glad to be behind the microphone today as we go into my last month on the air. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but here we are now, um, Friday the 3rd of uh, 3rd of March, 2023, and I just have four more shows to go before I sign off. And... Uh, It's been a good run. I mean, if you've been listening since the beginning, that's been five years I've been on the air this month. And um, I've I've had some some good guests along the way. I think I've had some really, really good shows that were very informative. And hopefully a lot of people learned a lot of things. Some people even came in and hired me. And more recently, I have people actually going to my website at lawbob.com and clicking on the link for webinars and seminars and uh, the drop-down and going to webinars and actually registering for and watching one of my estate planning webinars that are available on demand. If you register, you can pretty much watch it um, within three minutes after you've registered, because there's a little countdown, gives you a chance to download any any workbook or other information I have provided before the webinar starts. Um, there's no charge for the webinars, and the beauty is they're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year, 366 in a leap year. And you can watch them and you can get informed about estate planning. One of my webinars is called Estate Planning for Busy Parents. And it's specifically aimed at planning for parents that have one or more minor children. uh, Because there's special considerations that we need to do in planning when there is one or more minor children in the family that need to be planned for. My other webinar is called The Living Trust Webinar. Inheritance planning for you and your family. And that is a more general estate planning webinar, although it does cover planning for parents. That's not the emphasis of the webinar. It's more a general webinar that covers 
all kinds of aspects of estate planning, including a discussion of probate. Now, if you were listening last Friday, you'll know I started a discussion of probate, and um, and I wanted to to go ahead now and see if we can uh, actually continue that discussion today. Last week, I uh, I covered probate and kind of what the process of probate is and and how it actually gets started and what some of the um, what some of the issues are that people face when they go through probate uh, just kind of timing and notice requirements and things like that but today I'm going to cover um, more of some of the very specifics the advantages and disadvantages of probate. So we'll start first with the advantages. Several possible advantages that are claimed for going through the probate process when you have a decedent's estate, and the decedent being a person who has died. First of all, the probate court protects the heirs and beneficiaries of the decedent. <clears throat> if there's any questions or disputes between the heirs and beneficiaries, or with creditors of the decedent, or any other issues that arise in the administration of the estate, the probate court is there to supervise if necessary. They're there to act as a referee and a final judge of any disputes that arise between heirs, people who think they should have been heirs, creditors, and so on. Second thing is, probate cuts off the claims of creditors after a four-month period following the issues of letters testamentary, if there was a will, or letters of administration, if there was no will. Because notice of the probate is published in a local newspaper that has general circulation in the area where the, de the deceased person lived, Anybody who thinks the decedent owed them money for any reason has a four-month period after the order for probate is filed in which to file a creditor's claim with the probate court. Failure to file such a claim, uh, which actually has to be delivered to the personal representative, the executor or administrator of the estate, failure to file that claim means that the claim um, can be rightfully denied. Now, if there are known creditors, they have to get specific notice of the probate and a form that they can fill out to file their claim. Uh, but just creditors you don't know about, if they don't find out that the person died and it's been six months since the order for probate, well, they're basically out of luck. Their claim is now invalid and would be terminated. Now, this doesn't apply to any secured creditor, such as a bank that has your car as security, or if you have a house that has a loan on it, or any creditor that has a security interest in one or more assets of the decedent. You cannot get rid of their secured claim because they didn't file something within four months. But typically, you know who the secured creditors are, and you have notified them, 
and many secured creditors um, become aware that you that a, that a probate has been filed because they have services that check the probate filings throughout the country and compare the names with a list of their names of people that owe them money. You'll find if you have a credit card and it's being serviced by one of the major credit card providers, likelihood is that they will find out that a probate was filed and they'll be sending notices and demand letters and everything to the executor or administrator even before the probate hearing has been held. So um, that that's just something to be aware of. If you're in a probate and you're the executor or administrator, don't be surprised if you actually end up getting a letter or if your attorney ends up getting a letter before you've even had the hearing appointing you as the person to handle the estate. Another advantage of probate is the transfer of the title of things like real estate becomes a public record that prevents potential problems that a title company might have ensuring the transfer of the title. This is because the distribution is done by a court order of the probate court and a title company legally may rely on that court order to ensure the title of the property from any claims that predate the court order. Second thing, another thing actually, is the probate estate of the decedent is a separate taxpayer, and there may be some tax savings, but that's generally not a big issue. And in some cases, probate costs may be deductible for income tax or federal estate tax, death tax purposes, but that's generally not a big issue either. Okay, we're coming up on the first break for the show today. When we come back, I will delve into what the costs of probate are, both the monetary and non-monetary costs of probate. So stay tuned for the second segment of our show today when I talk about the costs of probate. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'll talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. And welcome back to the second segment of the show today. The costs of probate here in the state of California. Now there's many fees and costs, actual dollar costs associated with probate. For example, various fees are calculated calculated rather based on the gross value of a decedent's estate not the net value for example if you die owning a house with a market value of $750,000 and you have a $500,000 mortgage on the house you would consider that you have $250,000 because your equity in the property is two hundred fifty thousand dollars, seven fifty market value, minus the half million dollar mortgage. However, in probate court, 
the fair market value of your home determines the value of the estate for the calculation of certain fees and costs. Now, this is like the valuation of a house when sold by a real estate agent, where the realtor's commission is a percentage of the sale price and not a percentage of the seller's equity in the house. So this house would be valued at $750,000 in probate. So if we take as an example, under the current law, a million-dollar estate consisting of a house worth $750,000 and a quarter million dollars in bank accounts and investments would have the following anticipated fees and costs. Currently, the probate court filing fee of $435 and a final distribution court filing fee when you're ready to wind up the probate of another $435, maybe with an additional $60 in some counties, if the final petition is done ex parte, meaning without a formal hearing date. The attorney could charge this estate statutory fees of $23,000, with more fees that could be authorized by the probate court if the attorney did extraordinary legal services for the estate, like handling litigation involving the estate or or undertaking uh, major efforts to gather in an asset of the estate, uh, filing a court petition to to uh, claim that something is actually part of the estate and, and going to and fighting about that in court, all those kinds of things. There's also statutory personal representative's fees, that's the executor administration, of $23,000. Then the probate referee, I've always loved that name, that is the court-appointed appraiser. Every county has one or more of these probate referees, and they tend to get assigned to a probate in rotation. So the next probate that comes in, it's going to be the next referee gets assigned that matter. Well, with a million-dollar estate, the probate referee's fee is about $1,000 plus any costs like travel costs, photocopying costs, photography costs. If you're doing, you know, if you're going out and valuing real estate and stuff like that, taking pictures of it, whatever it happens to be. Then there's going to be a publication fee in that newspaper I talked about earlier of 115 to $400 or more for the local newspaper where the decedent lived. And and because some areas only have one paper that can publish those notices, they kind of get to set whatever charge they want to publish there. Um, many newspapers have a monopoly, and that's where you get $400. Um, and it can be more than that. You're just kind of at the mercy of wherever you happen to live when you die um, for that. So the total cost there, over $48,000, or nearly 5% of the gross value of the estate. Remember, gross value, not the net value. But there's other costs in probate that are not monetary costs. First one is lost privacy. When your estate goes through probate, everything becomes public record. 
everything you owned, what your property was worth, everybody you owed and how much you owed them all gets filed with the court. The names and ages of your heirs who are inheriting from you and where they live. That's all published in the court, too. Um, and then whatever they are receiving from your estate, the assets they're receiving. And because of the public nature of probate, there are, believe it or not, bad people who go through the probate records to locate heirs that may be too young or financially immature and can't really handle their inheritance. They then may contact those heirs with investment schemes or other fraudulent plans so they can separate the heirs from their inheritance. And the law makes it easy for them to find their next mark. Yeah, you've probably heard the term mark before. That's basically the victim of a con or a confidence game. Um, that's the mark. Next thing is lost time. Probate proceedings can take a long time. The typical probate will take probably at least nine months, but it could be one to two years or longer. It's not unusual for probate to last for several years if assets are difficult to sell or distribute to the heirs. Maybe it's hard to divide them up between the heirs. Because of the time of probate proceedings, this can lead to lost opportunities for your children or other heirs. Because your assets stay tied up in the court for several months or even years, assets are not available to pay tuition for education for your heirs, to provide money for an heir to purchase a home or start a business or a professional practice, to pay off an heir's debts to avoid bankruptcy, to provide money for an heir's medical expenses or treatment, or to provide money for any other need that an heir may have. It's possible to go to court and petition for a preliminary distribution of up to half of the assets to the heirs, but you have to prepare a petition, you have to pay a filing fee, probably have to hire an attorney to pay for the petition to file it, and the court will only grant such a petition if you can demonstrate that there will be plenty of money left to pay any creditor's claims that are owing before the estate gets closed out. So that right there is a summary of the costs of probate. There's monetary costs, there's lost privacy, and there's lost time. That's why I'm a big fan of avoiding probate whenever possible. Now, when we come back, as we're coming up on the mid-show break, when we come back, I'm going to, uh, to talk about how we avoid conservatorship, sometimes called the living probate. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and I'll talk with you after the mid-show break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back. Uh, 
I'm going to now shift gears a little bit and go into a new topic that is a related topic, and that is conservatorship, sometimes called the living probate, at least in estate planning circles, we kind of call it the living probate. It's called the living probate because a lot of the steps that are taken when you file the, for a probate for a decedent's estate are also taken when you go to court to file for a conservatorship for someone. Now, a conservatorship is a guardianship for an adult. Many states call it guardianship, whether you're talking about an adult or a minor. But here in California, we use the term conservatorship. Um, the a person appointed by the court is called the conservator. And you are said to be conserved, and you're called the conservatee. And there is a conservatorship for both your person, that is your body, and that's a person that is then granted authority by the court to make medical and healthcare decisions for you, including your medical treatment, where you will live, what you will eat, everything else concerning your health. Then there's the conservator of the estate. And that means the person put in charge of all of your property, including having it valued, accounting for income, for payments, taking care of the property, uh, giving, them the, giving them the legal right to deal with government agencies on your behalf, like the IRS, Franchise Tax Board, DMV, Veterans Administration, any other agency, file and defend against lawsuits, handle investments for you, and file your tax returns. Everything done with your property is all subject to court review by the court. And the conservator must file regular accountings with the court, and the court appoints a court investigator to interview you and your family and friends, as well as the proposed conservator. And uh, the accountings are done on at least an annual basis if you are conserved. And guess who pays all the costs of the conservatorship? Filing fees, court investigators' fees, attorneys' fees, ongoing accounting fees? You do. It comes right out of your pocket. Like I said, there's filing fees, attorney's fees, accounting fees. There's notice requirements. People have to be notified so they can come in, and if they object to the conservatorship, they can file objections, and people could be fighting in, over, fighting in court over who gets to take care of dad or who gets to take care of mom. And so that's what conservatorship is about. Now, can we avoid conservatorship? Yes. At a minimum, to avoid conservatorship while you're alive, you need two legal documents. And for many people, this might be the only legal documents they ever prepare, but it's really not a complete estate plan unless you add in the living trust, which I've talked about extensively, and also add in a special type of will called a pour-over will supporting the living trust. So we have the Advanced Health Care Directive, which basically 
replaces the need for a conservatorship of your person. You can grant authority ahead of time to someone to make health care decisions for you if you no longer have the ability to do so for yourself. For example, if you suffered injuries in an accident uh, and you're in a coma, or a court's declared you mentally incompetent, or, or your doctor has uh, in writing indicated that you're no longer capable of handling things, those could all be grounds for your advanced health care directive being activated. This is a legal document prepared and signed by you while you are alive. Generally, it takes effect when and if you cannot make health care decisions for yourself, but you could have it have immediate effect, which is something I recommend to my clients if they're um, getting ready to go in for a surgery that could go sideways, um, or if they're already terminally ill and are given a certain amount of time left of life, it should be an immediate power because it might be one moment to the next when someone would have to take over and make those decisions for you. It's better if they've already established the right to do that when it becomes obvious, maybe, that you're not able to make your own decisions anymore. Um, the documents I generally prepare permit you to outline treatments, medications that you want or do not want, funeral arrangements, other special wishes and desires you may have concerning your health care. I do a very, very detailed, custom-drafted advanced health care directive for those of my clients that opt to use the enhanced trust planning option that I offer. You can find out more about that in my webinar. Um, and because of this, because it's a personal document to you, you can even appoint a non-relative to make those health care decisions for you. Uh, that might be appropriate if you believe that your close relatives would not be able to make clear decisions for you because of being too emotional, for example. A well-drafted advanced health care directive should be very detailed and customized especially for you and your wishes. The ones I prepare will deal with many more issues than the simple form, the statutory form advanced directive that the legislature has created for everyone to freely use, freely downloadable from the Internet or available typically in the business office of a hospital. Um, those are very limited in many ways, and they don't really give you the ability to give a lot of instructions or directives to your doctors if you've run out of healthcare agents, healthcare agents are the people you've appointed to actually make the medical and healthcare decisions for you. And uh, typically in an advanced healthcare directive, you may actually nominate a conservator of the person for yourself um, just in case one's needed for whatever reason. For example, if you run out of healthcare agents, your advanced directive might actually nominate a conservator of the person for you so that person could actually go into court and petition to take over and handle the things since you don't have any advanced health care agent anymore. The other document 
that you could utilize and you should utilize is the general durable power of attorney. This is a legal document that grants authority to someone to handle your day-to-day financial matters if you lack the capacity to do it for yourself. It will enable the person you appoint, called technically your attorney in fact, or sometimes just your agent, to have as little or as much authority as you grant. So this agent typically has the same authority you would find with a conservatorship of the estate, exercising many of your personal rights on your behalf, filing or defending lawsuits, signing or enforcing contracts, running a business, filing your tax returns, or dealing with government agencies and programs such as the IRS, Social Security, Medicare, uh, Medi-Cal, Medicaid program in California, and the DMV. Now, a well-drafted durable power of attorney will be very detailed and will deal with many more issues than, again, the simple form, the statutory form power of attorney that is available for download from the Internet. If this document is properly drafted and used with a revocable living trust, you may be able to completely avoid the need for a conservatorship of your estate. Otherwise, the conservatorship will likely cost several thousand dollars to establish and, as I indicated before, will require regular accountings to be filed on your behalf. In Santa Clara County, for example, where I practice, it will likely be $12,000 or more for an uncontested conservatorship, meaning people aren't even fighting about it. And you can also nominate a conservator of your estate in the durable power of attorney just in case, for whatever reason, one might be needed. And if you wish, you can also give authority in a power of attorney for your agent to make gifts from your property, to continue a charitable giving program, or make gifts to uh, your heirs, your children, or grandchildren, maybe to pay tuition, or reduce your taxable estate for federal estate tax purposes, and many other reasons. Properly drafted, your agent may also be given the ability to do some additional estate planning with your assets and perhaps engage in long-term care planning, medical planning, to preserve some or all of your estate, for example, if you need to go into a nursing home. So a well-drafted durable power of attorney can give a lot of power to someone to handle a lot of things for you over and above what the statutory form power of attorney provided by the state can handle for you. Okay, we're coming up on the third break of our show today. And when we come back, I will wrap up the show with probably some of the questions and comments from around the state of California, uh, but leading off with a brief discussion of the HIPAA law. Which, and if you've never heard of HIPAA law, stay tuned and find out what the HIPAA law is. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and come back in a few minutes for the final segment of our show today. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. 
Hi, welcome back for the final segment of our show today. I told you, a little tease before the break, I told you I was going to tell you about the HIPAA law. HIPAA. Sounds ominous or really cool? I don't know. You decide. HIPAA stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Okay? H-I-P-A-A. The HIPAA law. It's a medical privacy law at the federal level that says that any healthcare provider can only reveal confidential medical information about you to someone who has been given written authority by you to have that information disclosed. For example, if you apply for life insurance, you have to sign a HIPAA authorization so the insurance company can get copies of your medical records to see whether or not you're insurable and figure out how to underwrite you if you are and determine what your rate will be, how you'll be rated for that insurance. Now, that includes your spouse, your kids, your partner, domestic partner, or life partner, and they will risk liability if they reveal that information without your express written consent. The HIPAA authorization is combined with a SAMEA authorization. And the SAMEA authorization is the California version of HIPAA. And the the, uh, SAMEA, S-M-I-A, is basically the Confidential Medical Information Act of the state of California. And the main difference between them is HIPAA only applies to um, to written documents. So like to, you know, if a doc go to the doctor and the doctor takes down information in your chart, HIPAA applies to that. SAMEA, the California version, covers all records, including electronic records such as Many of the major health plans or health uh, health networks have that, like Kaiser. They store everything electronically in their computer systems. So SAMEA covers that as well. So HIPAA and SAMEA, that's the type of authorization form that I prepare for people when they come and I do an estate plan for them. And it's a very important document. Now, Does that mean that doctors never disclose confidential information to family members? Of course not. Yeah, they do. And they probably do, knowing that the patient is likely to not be upset with that. I think if you were in an accident, you were in the hospital, and and you were in a surgery, emergency surgery, you'd probably want your spouse, your partner, your children... Uh, being able to find out from the doctors what's going on with you, even if you never signed a HIPAA authorization. But there's always a risk that, uh, let me share just a little story about that. And uh, what if someone was taken to the hospital, their spouse was called, the spouse came in and uh, and were told, you know, well, ma'am, your husband's in surgery. It looks like he's going to pull through. And uh, and fortunately, his uh, his passenger looks like she's going to recover too. 
And the wife goes, what passenger is that? And the doctor realizes right there, the doctor has blown it big time. Because, you know, it turns out that the passenger was the wife's best friend, who was actually out to lunch with her husband, and maybe a little more than lunch with the husband, and they were in a car accident on the way back to her friend's house where her husband was going to drop her off after having a little bit of fun over lunch, so we say. But now that doctor is going to be in trouble because I get, I'm going to guess the husband didn't want the wife to know anything about that, and I'm certain that the wife's best friend did not want the wife to know anything about that either, but those were medical confidential medical information that was disclosed to someone who didn't have authority to receive that information, and that doctor might be facing one heck of a fine and maybe even a lawsuit as well. Okay, I've roughly a minute and a half to go in the show today, and I wanted to repeat, since I only have three more shows after this before I hang up my microphone and my headphones and go off the air, I did want to encourage you all, go to my website at lawbob.com, go to the link that says Webinars and Seminars, drop down from that menu to the webinar link, and register to listen to one of my webinars. One is for busy parents, state planning for busy parents intended for those who have minor children, and one is a broader living trust webinar Uh, inheritance planning for you and your family that goes into depth for uh, a lot of different people, not just parents with minor children. Both are about an hour. If you watch all the way through, there's a bonus available at the end. There's also the ability to have a special extended consultation with me that's only available to those who have watched my webinar and have decided that they want to go forward and work with me to do their plan. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back on the air again next Friday. Goodbye, Bay Area. You've been listening to Plan Your State Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.